The reading is from Exodus chapter 12. If you're using the church Bible, you'll find it in the front of the Bible on page 68. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbour, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till the morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Verse 29. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night and there was loud wailing in Egypt for there was not a house without someone dead. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go, worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go. And also, bless me. We carry on in Exodus 13, at verse 17. <clears throat> when Pharaoh 
let the people go. God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people round by the desert road towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. And down to verse 21. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. And we carry on in uh, chapter 14, verses 5 onwards. The well-known story of the crossing of the Red Sea and the rescue of the Israelites from the, the pursuing Egypt army. <clears throat> Verse 5, chapter 14. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have left the, let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots, along with all the other chariots of Egypt and officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Heroth, opposite Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to bring us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water, so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry land. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them and I will go in glory through Pharaoh and all his army through the chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I go in glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of the Lord who had been travelling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. 
The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud threw darkness, brought darkness to one side and light to the other, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry land with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, Let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing towards it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry land with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. That you would teach us again, Father, of your saving power, your deliverance, that we indeed may put our trust in you and in the one you sent to lead us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. An epic reading for an epic event in uh, the history of the Jewish people and, of course, in our history too. This moment of coming out of slavery into freedom, out of darkness into light, every kind of metaphor you want. The story that every Christian should have in their hearts. We should know this story familiar and easy to tell because it's foundational to our understanding of the salvation we have in Christ. 
And uh, what we need to see right at the outset is that in this one event is both judgment and deliverance. What is freedom for one is condemnation of the other. What is deliverance for one is destruction for the other. What's the way of life for one is the way of death for the other. In one event, there are two outcomes. Because two things are required for God to work in his work to set people free. He must find a way to break the power of evil and oppression. And he must also find a way for people to escape his coming judgment. Or put it better, to be rescued from his coming judgment. So remember that the hard heart of Pharaoh had refused to let the people go. And Anita told us all about that. He'd refused to yield in the face of the demonstrations of God's power. He'd tried to keep his power and influence over the people of Israel. He'd increased their burden. Nine plagues had wreaked havoc across the land. And still he willfully refuses the word of God. And now is time for the final showdown. The mighty leader of the most powerful empire on earth is against the Lord God Almighty of the children of Israel. It begins in chapter 12. God tells Moses that each family should prepare a meal. What an odd way to begin. What an odd way to begin saving people. Make yourself a meal. It's my favourite actually, roast lamb. With unleavened bread. And it was to be called Passover, but it is no leisurely Sunday lunch. No easy celebration of life in the family together. No snooze with your feet up in the afternoon afterwards. This is a meal on which your very life depends. Verse 11 says, this is how you're to eat it. With your cloak tucked in your belt, sandals on your feet, staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. This is the Lord's Passover. This is emergency rationings. This is sustenance for the journey you are embarking upon. Eat this now because you don't know when you will eat again. In the morning, you're out of here and you're on the run. Because the truth of God's judgment is that it is inevitable. It's coming. God's judgment is coming and it will happen. And God says there in verse 12, On that same day I'll pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals. I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. And there you have it. The one principle that we remember is that what God says he will do, he will do. God's word is the defining word. It's the final word. He will do this just as he has said it. And, and right at the end he says, I am the Lord. He uses his name. I am Yahweh. 
The name itself means he does what he does. He does what he says he is. He means what he is. His word is as good as the action. Because God is completely true to his word. If he says he will do it, it's as good as done. And this is the first warning. Watch out. It's inevitable that judgment will come. So make sure you're on the right side of it. When it comes, we want to be judged righteous. So if you go on ignoring and refusing the word of God, judgment is inevitable. God may have grace and mercy and give us time, but if we go the way of Pharaoh, if we resist God's command, he'll take us out in the end. And so in verse 29, that's exactly as the Lord says. It happens at midnight, the Lord struck down the firstborn of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of the livestock as well. Not a household without someone dead. You see, the truth of judgment is not only that it's inevitable, it is also unavoidable. When it comes, you can't get away from it. You can be high and mighty in power, or you can be lowly and destitute, but God will treat you the same. You can try to hide in anonymity of government, you can try to hide in the darkest cell of the prison house, but you can't hide from his judgment. And when God's judgment falls on Pharaoh, it falls on the nation. No one is exempt. In the same way that the vote on Tuesday will affect every household in the land. Whatever they decide in our parliament, or not decide in our parliament, we are all going to be affected. God's judgment affects everybody that Pharaoh had authority over. Not a household without someone dead. And the point is that all of us in some way stand in the place of a pharaoh. We have influence and power over other people. And if we take the way of pharaoh and willfully persist in refusing to obey God, then the judgment will have an effect on everyone that we have a responsibility for. We know that a church whose vicar commits a crime or misdemeanor or immorality suffers hurt, years of hurt. We know that a house with an unfaithful uh, adult brings years of difficulty and pain to everyone in the house. We know that We know those things. But if God's inevitable and unavoidable judgment falls against me, then those I live with will also suffer. Every sin, no matter how privately committed, affects somebody else. God's judgment on me 
affects every household of the people I know. Take care not to go the way of Pharaoh. Because the judgment is unavoidable and it's inevitable. So God will deal with evil in the world. He will be the judge of all. There's no power greater than the power of God. That's the truth of judgment. But this Exodus event also teaches us of the triumph of faith. Going back to that Passover meal that God told the people to prepare and eat in verse uh, uh, 3 of chapter 12, he tells the whole community were to take part in it. Each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. And verse 5 says, they are to be year-old males without a defect. Each household was to be saved from the coming judgment by the blood of the Lamb. Verse 7 says that the people are told to take some blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the doors and the house where they eat the lamb. And the reason for doing it comes there in verse 13. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This little account has all the essential marks of faith. Firstly, every person needs saving. There is no one who is immune from the judgment to come. But there is a way to be saved as long as they stay under the protection of the blood of the Lamb. The text, if you read it through, tells us that no one is to be outside the house on that night, for they will not be protected. But those who are in the house are protected by the blood of the Lamb as the angel of death passes over. It's the Lamb who dies for the people because the sacrifice of the Lamb tells us, tells us a truth that we cannot live except by the death of another. The lamb dies for the people, and the blood of the lamb smeared on the doorposts of their homes protects and covers them from death. And of course, all these things find completion and fulfillment in Jesus, the Lamb of God, who by his blood covers and protects us from the inevitable and unavoidable judgment of God. The meal in itself is a statement of faith. Just as we today eat this meal of bread and wine in remembrance of him and his blood shed to cover us with his protection and salvation. It's a demonstration that the people need saving and they can't save themselves. So the angel of death comes, passes through the land, but passes over the houses of the people of Israel. And in chapter 13, verse 17, the Israelites leave. And when God sets you free, there's no going back. 
To live by faith means you can't go back. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though it was shorter. God said if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people round by the desert toward the Red Sea. There is only one way forward when you live by faith. We can't live by faith and look back to where we have come from. We can't live by faith and wish we weren't living by faith. There can be no returning to Egypt for those who live by faith. And living by faith is hard. Living by faith means that there are times when we have to resist the urge to get back to Egypt if we could. And like the Israelites, to live by faith, we need to go armed for battle. Because living by faith means we will have to fight everything within us that makes a slave out of us. Our desires to be liked and approved by others. Our family who don't want to waste time and our lives doing good for poor people. Our employers who can't understand why we don't work all hours for the good of our career because we give time to bless our family with our presence and share in the ministry of the church. These are just three examples of my walk of faith with the things I contended with. If we live by faith, those kind of things will pursue us relentlessly. Just like Pharaoh pursued the Israelite, Israelites after they'd gone, chasing them down with his army until they have their backs against the, the sea and nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. Faith sometimes puts us in a place where we can't see what we should do or where we should go. And the Israelites were terrified. What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. But Moses knows the power and the purposes of God. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. You will see the deliverance of the Lord. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to stand still. And he holds his hand out over the waves of the sea and the Lord sends the wind to part the water, dividing it so there's a wall of water on both sides and the Israelites pass through as on dry ground, a mighty moment of deliverance, the moment of salvation for the Jewish people, the point at which they become a nation with a shared story. Four or five weeks ago, we thought we had all things in place to buy this building. And then the council suddenly put the price up by £100,000. And when our group met to discuss that issue and to work out how we were going to talk them back down, one of our numbers said, well, of course, if the bank declined to give us the money, we're dead in the water. And on the Friday following that meeting, we heard that the council had lowered the price again. But the banks said they wouldn't give us any money. 
And our local councillor contacted me that very day and said, how are things going? And I didn't tell her that we had a £300,000 gap just open up in our funding and we didn't know what we were going to do. And we had an emergency meeting with senior officers of the diocese. And they came like Moses and said, stand still. The Lord will fight for you, they said. Well, he didn't quite put it like that. They said, <laughs> they said write the detail down. Ask us for the whole lot. And they waved their hand over the bishop's council. And the waters over our head parted. And now we can perhaps cross over. Which might be a good time to see if we're going to, actually. Tell us, are they back? Come forward, O teller person. This wasn't a planned moment in my sermon. Jill, come right here. Give an account. Yes, gosh, I didn't think I'd be doing this. <laughs> um, just so you know, a total of 95 slips were returned. Of those, 92 said yes. <laughs> there was one vote no and two blanks. Oh. And that made the total of 95. And God is good. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you very much, Jill. Would you like that at some yeah, point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, well, take it away for now. You hang on to it. I shall only lose it. Ninety-five votes. Ninety-two for, two blanks, one against. So we are going to cross over, it would appear, as on dry land. Back to the story. The deliverance of Israel was the destruction of the Egyptians. The water flowed back, covered the Pharaoh's chariots and horsemen. The entire army of the Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. Now, some people don't believe that happened. They don't believe that such a miracle could happen, that uh, in reality the people were to the north of the Dead Sea in a swampy area of ground called the Reed Sea and that the Israelites travelling light on the foot uh, could get through but the Egyptians in their armour couldn't get through the boggy ground and they got stuck there. That's a kind of common uh, narrative that you can hear. Uh, well, a more modern-day narrative, but uh, from the last century. But I say it's still an unbelievable miracle. It's a miracle that an entire army of Egyptian men should die drowning in less than a foot and a half of water. The text tells us that by faith, the Israelites saw an awesome deliverance. He saved them. And the point is this. By faith, God's people will triumph. 
we will get to the other side. We won't get across on somebody else's faith. We won't get to freedom of the promised land because, uh, well, I don't know, my wife believes, or because your parents had faith, or because you're friends with the vicar. Especially that one. <laughs> the way was opened by faith to the Israelites. It closed over the Egyptians who followed, who had no faith. The truth of judgment is that it's inevitable and it's unavoidable. God will deal with the evil in the world. But the triumph of faith is that we know we need God to save us. No matter how hard, how fearful it gets, no matter there is a way back. Sorry, there is no way back to slavery. We know that our faith shall see us through. And we can only keep going forward to the promised land. God has provided a way. He will deliver us. And we shall own this building. <laughs>